0: Now, we just read 13 and 14, and this is uh concluding portion of Jesus' great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. But if you look at chapter 7, verse 21 and 22, the real conclusion of the sermon is here. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, not everyone who calls me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father, and Jesus says, continues in verse 22, many will say to me on that day, what is that day? The day of final judgment. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did I not, did we not preach in your name? In your name did we not cast out demons? In your name did we not do mighty works? And then Jesus said, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Practice lawlessness. Live in the life that is without law. Folks, if you think about This, these two verses as the shocking conclusion. If you place this any part of the sermon, if I begin just like I am, it's shocking as it is. If you put this at the end of the sermon, it is shocking. Wherever you put this, it's shocking. But Lord chooses to put this in the end. This is how He's going to end the great sermon. It's shocking. The audience that he is speaking to, obviously, these people know the Lord. Know the Lord, know Jesus, and he they call him Lord. But to them, Jesus said, not every one of you will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's speaking to the Jews. Majority of them are Jew. So they do not even order that kingdom uh, of God, because it's blasphemy to even refer, uh, call God and use his name. So they say the kingdom of, instead of God, kingdom of heaven. But to them, Jesus said, not every one of you here who calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, if they can't go to heaven, where are they going? If they can't go up, then where are they supposed to go? This is why this two verses are so shocking. And the way the Lord decided to end his sermon is so shocking. Now for us to better understand this shocking claim by the Lord, I believe we must go back. Go back a few verses. And that is what we read earlier. Verse 13 and 14. That is our given text for this morning. And we are familiar with these verses. right? The 13 and 14. We have read it before. Now, do me a favor, let's read it one more time, but this time, instead of me reading to you, let's read it together out loud. All right, we're ready? We have it up and on the screen. Let's begin. enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Amen. You know, what we see here in these two short verses, we see multiple twofold situations. We got several twofold situations. What do we have? There are two gates, right? We got two gates, wide and narrow. What else do we have? we got two paths, two-way, broad, and narrow. And then you also have twofold destination. you got destruction, and then you got life. And then here are our final twofolds, one more. Many, there are many on one side, and few on the other. Twofolds. Very simple here, very straightforward in Jesus' presentation here. It's simple to understand. That's not so hard. But if you chew on this, if you meditate deeply on this, this is very profound, deeper than what we think. And my prayer this morning is for us to understand this fully, understand it well. And my prayer is that your hearts and mind will be blessed, challenged by the Word. May the Spirit of the Lord work in your heart, in your mind. Now, let's look at those twofold situations here. Let's begin at the two gates. We got two gates. We got wide, broad gate, and then we got narrow gate. What are we supposed to do here? In front of these two gates, what are we supposed to do? Look at this. Jesus said, enter. Enter. You have to enter. That that choice of not entering and just staring at the gates is not an option. You have to enter. The word enter in Greek, it's an imperative form, which means it's a command. You have to enter. Choose one and enter. And if you do not enter, you are not obeying the command here. So you have to choose. So first thing we have to understand in this twofold, there are two gates. And first thing you got to do before the gates, you have to enter. Now, second, not only Jesus said you have to enter, but you must enter this particular gate, the narrow gate. Enter, Jesus said, the small and narrow gate. This is to say there is no other way. Options are there. Choices are there. But there is only one clear way. This gate and this gate alone is the way. John 14, 6, I mean Eugene in, in his prayer he already quoted it right I am the way the the tr- uh, I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me Only through Jesus Christ there is eternal salvation there is no salvation in no other name any other name other than the name of Jesus Christ amen He alone is the way He alone is the gate that leads to life, leads to the Father. The Bible in the New Testament is very, very clear on this. Our faith comes from hearing about Jesus Christ, of what about Jesus Christ, who He is and what He has done. Our faith comes from hearing the Word. Our faith then comes from believing what we just heard, what we know to be true. And what we confess. And that confession that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Christ. There is no other gate. There is no other way. There is no other redeemer. There is no other savior than Jesus Christ. Now this is a command. Again, you must enter. But you must enter this into this particular gate. And then third. When you enter this gate, this particular gate, you got to enter alone. By yourself. When you enter this gate, the crowd is left behind. This is not a collective experience. Don't make that mistake. This is not a collective experience. This is not for you to choose a religion or a church. You come alone. And you enter alone. Whenever I imagine this gate, it has... I imagine that to have this turnstile. You know what that is, right? That three, four arms sticking out, subways or the stadium that you have to go through one at a time that turns with you. Have you tried to go there? I mean, go through with another person? No. It, doesn't, it doesn't go well. I always imagine that gate, the narrow gate, comes with this turnstile. Letting people in one at a time, only one at a time. This gate is exclusive. This gate is extremely personal. And when you arrive at this gate, you will definitely have to break away from your family, break away from your friends, break away from the crowd that you arrive at this gate with. The crowd that you were with before entering this gate, you leave them behind. You have to. You enter this gate. Alone. Alone. You see that this point was really hard, particularly hard for the Jews to understand. Because their mindset is, I am the children. We are the children of Abraham, the chosen forefather. We're the chosen nation, chosen people. We are all on the road to heaven, collectively speaking. So it's. It's very hard for them to grasp this idea, understand, and agree to this because they have Abraham as their father. So they believe that they will all enter into heaven together as a nation, as a group. But what here Jesus says to the Jews, majority of the audience, tells them, no, that's not how it works. That's not how you enter the kingdom of heaven. You enter through this gate, this gate alone. You enter alone. Not as a group. Not as a people. Not as a family. Not even as a church. Or You must enter this gate, this particular gate, only this gate, alone and with difficulty. It comes with difficulty. In verse 14, Jesus said, For the gate is narrow, the way is hard that leads to life. Hard. It's not easy. It's difficult. Jesus is saying you must enter this gate and you must do so by yourself alone, but it will come with great difficulty. It will be hard. How hard? How difficult is it for you to go through this gate? Jesus doesn't expound here. But in Luke chapter 13, verse 24, he expounds a little further into this. Jesus said, strive. He used that word, strive to enter through the narrow door. Strive. The same verse, that was ESV. But in NIV, instead of that word strive, the NIV uses this word, make every effort. Give it all you got to enter through the narrow door. Strive. Make every effort. What does it tell you? It's not easy. It means that we'll, there will be a struggle. It will be a struggle for you to go through this door. Why? Why is it a struggle? Why should it be struggling to enter through this gate? Jesus continues and he says, because, 1324, for many will seek to enter and will not be able. You got to strive. You got to make every effort. You have to struggle to enter through the gate because many will attempt to do this, but not everyone will. Many will get there before the door. Many will find the door. Many will understand and perceive how important this gate is. And many will even seek to attempt to enter it, but many will not be able to enter Jesus' said, Because it comes with struggle. Not easy. It's hard. Jesus said in Matthew chapter eleven verse twelve. The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. I'm going to read that again. For the for the uh, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that mean? Here, what Jesus is saying is this: the heaven is for these. Violent people. Heaven is for these forceful people. It's for the people who would come and seize it. It will for, the kingdom is for the people who will come and take it. It's not for the casual. It's not for the passive. It's not for, well, whatever happened will happen. By no means, Jesus said, it's not easy. This gate. Only this gate. And when you enter it, you when you enter it, with struggle. This gate, this kingdom, this life, is for the serious, for the zealous, for the wholehearted, for the desperate, for the passionate. Comes with the struggle. Finally, about the gate, particularly this narrow gate. You got to enter you got to enter this gate. you got to enter alone you, that will come with the great difficulty. And then you must enter this gate with empty hands. you got to come with empty hands. Like I said earlier, I imagine this gate to have a turnstile, right? And when you go through it, you can't bring your luggage. Can you? Unless you carry it over your head. You have to come through that door, the narrow door, the tiny, narrow door with empty hands. You can't carry your baggage, your personal. The gate will not accommodate your personal baggage. Where do you leave them? Out at the door. You leave them out that door. This is where you drop everything in your hands. Does that mean? Empty hands, drop everything, surrender all things. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, if you are going to come after me, if you decide to follow me, if you are going to be my disciple, if you decide to come through this door, it'll come with a cost. It'll cost you. In Luke chapter 14. Verses 25-33, we don't have time to read that, but I already preached that. Hopefully you guys remember that. Jesus talked about the cost. Cost of what? Cost of being His disciple. Cost of following the Lord Jesus. What is the cost? Well, that cost involves hating your own family members, your parents, your brothers and sisters, your spouse, your children. It comes with that. If necessary, the cost involves that. The cause comes with hating your own self. The cause involves carrying the cross. Cross, the instrument of your own death. And then Jesus continues in that passage, if you remember. He says, This cost is so great, so extreme. Before you decide to come through this door, before you choose to follow me, I want you to think long and hard. There will be a cost. You need to calculate the cost. And he gives an example. If you're going to build a tower, there is a man who would like to build a tower. Then he has to calculate the cost. Cost of building this tower, does he have enough money? If not, he will start, won't be able to finish, and he will be a laughing stock, Jesus said. And then he goes, counter cost. Like a man who is deciding to go to war or make peace with his enemy. He has to calculate. He has to look into the cost, the strength of his army, whether or not he can withstand his enemy and win. Or he will be overcome. So he better go and make peace. Counter cost. Before you decide, count. Your cost. You've got a lot at stake here. A lot is riding on this. Count your cost. Your life is at stake. Your eternity is at stake. Count the cost. Because there is a cost to enter through this narrow gate. Church, salvation that Jesus preached. Salvation is never advertised by Jesus the Lord as cheap and easy. You will not find that in the gospel, will you? He will never say it in a very cheaply, easily made, fits all type of thing that you just sign your name and you're done. But in contrast... The wide gate. We're looking at the two gates, by the way. Don't forget the other gate. That one is wide. The characteristic and the definition of it is easy. It's easy to find, easy to enter. You can come in with everybody else. You can come in with everything you want to bring along with you. There's no call call for repentance. There is no call for commitment to lifelong obedience to Christ. There is no cost. There is no struggle. Just come as you are. Come on in. Just roll with the crowd. Two gates. Two gates. Let's look at the next item. Two ways. The two gates will lead two ways. Verse 13. Wide is the gate and broad is the road. In verse 14. Narrow. Is the gate and narrow. ESB will use that word hard. Hard is the road. The broad way and the narrow way, you got two ways. This is pretty obvious. It's so obvious because the wide gate will lead to broad way and the narrow gate will lead to narrow way. By the way, that word narrow in Greek, it means confined, constructed, compressed. So when you enter through this narrow gate, this particular narrow gate, alone, with great struggle, with empty hands, you will continue to walk on this road in the same manner. Just as you enter, the walk will be just like it. You'll be alone. Alone. Because it's personal. One to one with Jesus Christ. Alone. Alone. You can't piggyback on anybody. Not your parents, not your mom, not your dad, not your church, no one. It's you and God. Personal, alone. It's difficult because it requires a lifelong, committed, willing obedience to Christ. Yes. It's against our nature. Empty hands because it requires us to let go of everything, surrendering all things, even our loved ones, our goals, our desires, even ourselves. But is it over when you cross the gate, when you go through the gate? Is it over? No, it's not over. When you come through the narrow gate, you will continue to walk on this very confined, compressed, narrow way. Two ways. After two gates. And then it comes destination. Two different destinations. What are those? Destruction and life. The broad way leads to destruction. The narrow way leads to life. Now, destruction and life. Curse and blessing. That is really, really overall theme of the Bible. You can find it everywhere, whether it's Old Testament and New Testament. But the best place to understand this, I still believe Psalm 1, the first psalm. That is a summary of the rest of the psalms. It is sets the tone. And what does it talk about? Well, there is two different destinations for the blessed and the wicked. For the blessed and the wicked Two distinctive different destinations waiting for them. One will prosper and find life, the other will perish and find destruction. Now, Moses, at his old age, he's not crossing the Jordan, and in his farewell speech, he speaks to the Israelites. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, this is what he does. He gives them, hey guys, there are two choices before you. Two final destinations waiting for you. And he lays them down and asks them to choose. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 through 19. This is what Moses said to the Israelites. See, I have set before you today, life and good, death and evil if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving your Lord your God, by walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments, His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your hearts turn away, turn away from the Lord, and you will not hear, not hear the voice of the Lord, but you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, not the Lord. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. And Moses said before them, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life, And death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Moses said, Choose life. Do you see this? This is what's going to happen. At the end, will you choose life? That was his last word. Two folds. Two gates two ways to destination the final twofold is this there are two different crowds entering through the wide gate traveling along the easy road to destruction are jesus said many many the broad and easy road is a busy place filled with pedestrians of every kind. They're walking down casually, laughing, carefree with no thought of the dreadful end to which they are heading. The narrow, hard way which leads to life, however, seems to be just noticeably, comparatively different. There are few. they are few. It seemed like Jesus already knew already anticipated that his followers would be a very much despised minority. Small band of pilgrims. Travelers just passing through this place. Coming home. Two crowds. Many and few. Two folds here. Thirteen and fourteen. I want us to go back to shocking message. Chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus then said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, not everyone who calls me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Who enters the kingdom? Who comes to the heaven? Simply put, not the sayer. Not the sayer, but the doer. Not the ones who says to Jesus, Lord. Not the who calls Jesus as their Lord, but the ones who does what the Lord, their Lord, commands them to do. Commands them to do. The ones who carry out the Father's will be in heaven. Then, what is the Father's will? What is the Father's will? What does the Lord command? His people to do. What is the Father's will? Enter the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. Walk on the narrow way. Alone with struggle. With empty hands. And there. At the end of your journey. You will find life. And you will be with me in heaven. As you do. The will of my Father. But what is the will of the Father? God so loved the world. Whoever believes in Him, Him, Jesus Christ, shall not perish but have eternal life. What was the will of the Father? Believe in my Son, Jesus Christ. Believe and do what He says. Because it's not what you say. It's not what you say. But it's what you do. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus said, I love you. Can you imagine Jesus saying in in his sermon towards the end, at his conclusion, saying, I love you. This is a guy who came here. This is the very first sermon. And he says, you need to enter through this gate and this gate alone. And that is me. It comes with cause. It feels like alone. It, you can bring other stuff and you have to surrender it all. But you know what I will do? I will, lie, I will lay my life down for you. I will make a way for you. Walk with me. Enter and be with me. When you feel alone, know that I am with you. When you enter through this narrow gate alone, know that I am with you. When you leave everything behind, know that all that I have is yours to have. The struggle that you will go through each and every day to live a life that is pleasing to God, Know that my strength, my power that resurrected me is available for you. You are not powerless. Enter through this gate. Walk on this path. Be with the few members. And receive life. Find life. Walk with me. Choose me. I will give you life. This is not work-based salvation. If someone says this and, and does not do anything for your sake and lay down his own life and be a good shepherd to you, yeah, it is a work. Walk away from this offer. Why would anyone obey this command? He loves you. And he laid down his life for you. And in his final con- conclusion of the greatest sermon that he preached, he says, Do my father's will. Love my son. Do what he says. And that son tells him, I am the gate, at least the way to life. Enter through me. Walk with me. Live with me. I'll be with you. You'll never be alone. What I have is yours forever. Eternity I give to you. My strength and power for you to be overcomers in this world, I provide for you. Do you understand the gospel? Do you understand Jesus Christ? Choose the narrow gate. Enter through it each and every day. Live that life that pleased the Lord. That is the Father's will. And when you do, it is a blessing. There's no other blessing that you can find here on earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for Lord Jesus. Thank you for his sacrificial love for us and undying, faithful love. Lord, will you help us to choose you? Choose that narrow gate, that door. Help us to open it each and every day no matter how alone we feel, that no one seems to walking and going with us. May we choose you and you are enough. When we feel powerless, when we feel drained, when we feel like we're weak and we're prone to wonder and make mistake and mistake, Lord, you are there with open arms to encourage us and power us and say, Son, let's do it again. Daughter, let's get up. I am with you. I am walking with you. What I have, I give to you. I'll give you life. I'll give you life. Lord, as a church, Lord, will you choose us to live a life that is pleasing to you? Will you help us every day to worship you? Will you help us together and look forward to the time of worship and offer you our hearts and minds to you that is pleasing and acceptable. For you have done all things and you are continuing to do the work in our lives to bring life to us. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son. Thank you for what he has done, what he endured, what he's continuing to do for us but pray for the Spirit to speak to each and every one of us, our hearts and minds. The message that you need to preach to plant in individual hearts, Lord, will you do that? And help us to make that necessary change, that transformation to take place in our hearts. Pray for your will be done. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.